What's up, everybody? This is Colton from Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant Holy Land's official podcast. We got a special treat for you guys this week. Instead of just one podcast where Matt and I kind of recapped the Rutgers game and then talked a little bit about Indiana, I wanted to make sure that you guys have two. So today, we're going to have Kyle Robbins from SB Nation's Indiana site, crimsonquarry.com. He'll be joining us. He's going to talk about the game. There's a lot of talk about Indiana and their program as a whole, whether the Michigan State win last week was the biggest win in program history. Just a lot of general stuff about Indiana. I think you guys will really like it. So without further ado, here is Kyle Robbins from Crimson Quarry. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Ohio State blog, Land Grant Holy Land. Your usual host, Matt Brown, is off right now. We're going to do a uh, a special second pod this week. I I can't remember the last time we did a second pod, but something I wanted to do. So uh, I am your host, Colton Denning, usually the co-host, but we are coming to you right now from Boulder, Colorado on Thursday afternoon about to talk some Ohio State, Indiana, and we have a very special guest with us right now, a man of many ventures. He is the managing editor of SB Nation's Indiana site, crimsonquarry.com. He's also a staff writer for SB Nation Golf and College Basketball, and you can also hear him on Crimson Quarry's podcast. The podcast was good. Matt Brown was actually on that podcast. You should check it out. We'll link to it in a post, do all that good stuff, but enough of the introduction. Kyle Robbins joins us. Kyle, how you doing today, man? What's up, Colton? How's it going, man? Pretty good. Just uh, trying to get through the end of the week, trying to get through another college football uh, a Saturday and hopefully watch a game where Xander Diamond doesn't run for 175 yards or, or 200 yards on this Ohio State defense. Well, I, I think you're lucky enough that you won't have to worry about Xander Diamond running through 175 to 200 yards because he actually hasn't. He's yet to see the field this year losing his job to well, not losing his job, rather, but um, hasn't had to spell Richard Lago yet in relief. So, of course, as we all know, if you follow CrimsonCorey.com on Twitter, one of our recurring gags of many is the fact that 165-pound quarterback left Tyvis Powell on his face, which might quite possibly my favorite college football highlight of last season, and I'm still not really sure how that happened, but whatever. Oh, just, like, totally in the dust, man, and... I say that in jest, or I ask you in jest, because, you know, I was thinking, like, what what are the probabilities that Kevin Wilson was just like, I'm not going to play him all season, I'm going to let him sit on the bench, and then we go to Ohio State, all Xander Diamond, all the time? I think, like, I, I'm wondering, I don't know, maybe this year, or, or la- really even last year, I think last year especially, the intention was to redshirt Xander for the, like, the entire season up until Nate Sudfeld went down in that Ohio State game with the ankle injury, and then Jordan Howard went down on top of that. So if you remember, and of course our revisionist history, we're Indiana football, or not revisionist history rather, but we have to find our miracles where we can with Indiana football. And of course, oh yeah, Indiana's backups at quarterback and running back almost beat Ohio State, kind of. But yeah, I wouldn't actually be shocked to see him maybe get a play or two just because of last year and his ability to 
kind of electrify that game and really give Indiana a spark off the bench when they had finally started to limp into the fourth quarter in that football game. And it kind of looked like it was just going to go the way of the previous year's Indiana-Ohio State game when Jalen Marshall scored like about 80 touchdowns in the final 12 minutes of the game. So, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see Xander make his first appearance of the season if Kevin Wilson hasn't decided to redshirt him, which would kind of make sense and I think might be going on. Well, and it was it's interesting too because I, I listened to to your guys' podcast with Matt and heard you talk about the game last year. And like I, I'm totally with him, like echoing in this sentiment that that game was like the most heart palpitation inducing game I can remember for Ohio State. And that's even, you know, playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and going to play Oregon in the national championship. All those big games against Michigan, Wisconsin, whatever, that game from like a frustration standpoint was uh, at least for me like the cream of the crop from what I can remember because it just felt like so many times in that game okay Indiana's dead they don't have their starters in this shit should be over but sure enough you know Xander Diamant and then the rest of the offense they just run through Ohio State and it's interesting to look back on that game and Matt and I have talked about this before but I I personally think that if Ohio State loses that game they probably play the rest of the season like they did after they lost to Michigan State and maybe they get into the playoff maybe not but I think that loss would have helped them there and probably would have helped Indiana because they would have been 5-0 and at that point correct yeah like and and you want to talk about frustration and not to and this isn't a slight to Ohio State fans are like oh you haven't had it as hard as us we used to hike uphill in the snow both ways to three and nine seasons here in Bloomington but like the frustration I remember, and I watched that game from about a few steps behind Urban Meyer in Memorial Stadium, and the only thing that I could think of the entire time was, oh my God, we're never going to get Ohio State like this ever again. There's no way in hell that we could possibly, as good as that Ohio State team was supposed to be, we've got the best team in the country, in my opinion, at that time, obviously not playing well. You know, obviously the Ohio State quarterback in the situation with Cardell Jones or who in the heck was going to play. It seemed like an Indiana fans have talked about this at that time. Urban was still really, really forcing the whole Braxton Miller plus Cardell thing that just seemingly at that point wasn't going to work out. But imagine having, okay, you're 4-0, you're a football program that's been trash forever, that's been to one bowl game in my memory of a lifetime. There were some when I was a young tyke not paying attention and still gumming most of my food. But yeah, to get Ohio State on the ropes at that point and then have Nate Sudfeld go down, have Jordan Howard go down, and then still hang around. Like, that one hurts. Like, that was one, like, oh, my God, what could have been? Like, what happens if Indiana's able to sneak by that one? Nate Sudfeld doesn't get hurt. You go to Penn State 5-0. and You're probably ranked. Indiana hasn't been in the polls since 1994, um, since I was three years old. So, yeah, that's, that's a game. It was frustrating on both sides. But at the same time, and I know, and people... Ohio State fans, I know, laugh at Indiana about this, but when we talk about the close losses and Indiana being competitive with Ohio State, like that was one of my better memories of the college football season last year and probably one of my better college football memories ever because I love Indiana football so much for whatever godforsaken reason and mainly being birthed into it and not having much of a choice growing up just down the road from Bloomington and my parent, one of my parents being an alum. That was fun. Like, losing that close game was actually really, really fun. And I know that sounds sad, and I know that sounds pathetic, but, like, that was... I will look back, and actually, the almost winning that game was, like, it's part of the journey of being an Indiana fan, is this cruel torture that takes you right up to the edge, and then losing it. And thus, what kind of led to last week, 
and honestly, a really emotional big time win and a giant monkey off Indiana's back and knocking off Michigan State. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. And, you know, we look at, at that last season and they lose to Ohio State. And I think they dropped the next five after that, including the game to Rutgers with the miraculous comeback and then to Michigan, a game probably too that they at least if not should have won, they they had the chance to win at home. And you look at last week, they beat Michigan State, they beat them in overtime. We're talking about the Ohio State game last year on how that probably, from the you know the very little I know about the history of Indiana football, at least in the modern era, probably would have been the biggest win in program history. Would have been after have been, yeah. after beating Michigan State last week, and you know even if Michigan State goes five and seven, or if they go seven and five, whatever, they're not who they were last year. But just from like beating a brand name team. Where does that win last week rank, not only for you, but just for Indiana fans in general for not just, hey, we, we finally turned the corner, but just like, okay, we're here now. We're, we're not the Indiana of, you know, the early 2000s. We're actually here. It, it depends on how you judge it in terms of, you know, there are some different sort of, I won't say mitigating factors, but differentiating factors in terms of where you look at great wins. Like for me, always the 2007, the Indiana-Purdue game, the bucket game right after, or yep. the, shortly after Terry Hefner's death, the first bowl game in 14-some years that Indiana is able to go to, that kick that seemingly just floated by him holding <laughs> it up. I, I was at that game with my mother and just, I remember looking down on the sidelines of Jane, Jane Hefner and, oh my God, this is amazing. It just felt like that was kind of a just a tear-jerking moment. It was less about football. Last year's Indiana went over Purdue actually because that was another one to send the bowl game. Was it? Is definitely a big one of mine. But it'll be hard. It's hard for me to top in terms of a memory beating Michigan State, mainly just because of the context of what Indiana's gone through in terms of the growth of the program. This finally feels like a I won't say it, a turning point as much as a validation of the progress Kevin Wilson's made. Um, and last season, you know, it got hard, I think, for some Indiana fans to kind of, as with any program, you're always going to have people that yell about the coach and tell you, well, fire the coach, ain't winning games, and, and all this stuff. But, like, you look back, and the, the reality at Indiana football, this has been, you know, I did a, one of the first things I ever wrote when I started, took over Crimson Corps a couple years ago, was Indiana's the worst college football program ever in terms of power, the Power Five conferences. By a certain metric, and there's no one worse when it comes to bowl games, when it comes to conference championships. There's nowhere it's been harder to win consistently than Bloomington, Indiana. And so progress here, losing close, is progress, especially for the big boys. And last year, you know, if you tuned out, if you're an Ohio State fan and you tuned out Indiana after the Ohio State game, and if you wanted to suppress those memories, I don't blame you. But after that game, obviously Indiana went and laid an egg at Penn State because Xander Dimont got hurt in that game. They were down to a third-string quarterback. But after that point, you had Rutgers, the Rutgers loss, which was the, the big blown mess, 25 point fourth quarter turned into a 25 fourth quarter lead. My God, it's late on a Thursday. Right. Then the Michigan State game, which Indiana led, I believe, late third quarter, early early fourth, and then did that Indiana thing where they gave up like 28 points in the fourth quarter, and it was 28-26, and suddenly it was like 52-28. Then they had Iowa on the ropes, a couple questionable calls, and whether Indi- Iowa got in the end zone, Indiana somehow like has a like an onside kick, like hit them in the chest. Um, They could have tied up and gone down and tied that game up. That one goes the other way. The Michigan game, which was probably more frustrating than the Ohio State game, easily more frustrating because that one was seemingly won, and then they kind of crapped down their leg and then lost on a fourth and goal and double overtime. Yeah, so last last year's Indiana season especially was very, very long, and seeing them finally 
coming out on the positive side of, of one when Indiana lost a lot of the, of the stars from last year, not stars from last year's program, but Indiana's down, obviously the leading passer, the leading rusher, and the leading pass catcher from last year's team. And to replace all those parts and to fill in with Kevin Wilson's system and give some real tangible evidence that the program's making steps forward, even if Michigan State's kind of ass, and I think we know that all to be the case. Yeah, and I think that too. Even looking back at the at the year prior, the, the fact last year they were able to replace everything that Tevin Coleman did for them in 2014 with Jordan Howard, and now they're replacing Howard, and they're they're still churning out yards on the ground with Devine Redding and a few other guys. But you know, it's it's easy to look at the schedule from last season and see that wow, that's a lot of points, and that's always kind of been an outsider's perspective of of Kevin Wilson and the Indiana program is man, that that offense is really 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 good. And and especially when they've they've played Ohio State, but they just give up a ton of points. The defense is much better through the first four weeks or first four games of the season this year. But what has kind of keyed that defensive, I guess you can't even call it resurgence because it wasn't there, but what has made that defense so much better this season as opposed to years past? Man, that's, you know, it's amazing to talk about. And and the only thing you can come back to is obviously replacing Brian Nord, who's now on the Ohio State staff as a quality control coordinator or assistant rather um with tom allen and he's man this guy's just been a godsend for for indiana football he's an indiana native um he was a former high school coach in indianapolis went down picked up some coaching jobs in the south ended up as a linebackers coach at at, at ole miss was there under you freeze really built that linebacking core up went took the dc job for a year or two maybe at south florida built that defense back up from nothing into really something and man what he's done in indiana just already in four games is really quite amazing this has been indiana's won games on defense they effectively they beat michigan state on defense they their defense kept them in the game while the I don't even want to say the offense imploded against Wake Forest because it certainly didn't. It put up 600-some yards. Most people don't know this because they wouldn't take a deep look at Indiana Wake Forest. But those five interceptions Richard Lago threw, four of them were tip balls, and one he was actually hit from behind right as he threw it. Um, and Indiana's normally very good offensive line kind of let him down on that one play. So you could chalk up about 3.3 of his picks in that game to kind of just dumb luck. And that's why Indiana lost that game. It was kind of just dumb turnover luck. Actually, Bill C. had them favored in the S&P projections for that game afterward. If you just took the stats and how the score should have played out based on production, Indiana should have finished that game about plus 19 in the in the turno- or in the uh, point differential. Instead, they were minus 8 or whatever because that's how turnovers and dumb luck kind of works. But the defense kept him in the game against Wake Forest. The defense ha- held Ball State scoreless for three quarters before everyone just kind of mailed it in they held okay fiu to 13 points i mean you and i and probably a few other bloggers could hold fiu to 13 points but rest in peace ron turner yeah your coach r.i.p yeah but yeah man like i it's hard to put on uh, like a finger on one thing i think it's really been a revelation indiana's play up front because they lost darius latham they lost some other guys that were at least you thought good players um that weren't really thriving in a very good system on the defensive line but they've been pretty good at stopping the run this year 
The the secondary has been much improved. You know, they did let up a 91-yard pass play to Tyler O'Connor, but that was just, okay, you're kind of an Indiana fan. You know we're probably good for one of those a game. But other than that, they were very good against against Michigan State, which obviously it's Michigan State throwing the football with Tyler O'Connor, so not a lot there. And there's not too much to be ashamed of, at least from like, I mean, I can't talk shit about that from an Ohio State perspective because Ohio State let Tyler O'Connor win a game on the road in Ohio Stadium. Like, so, you know, it happens. The elephant in the room or the elephant in the horseshoe or whatever you want to call it here is that Tyler O'Connor beat Ohio State. And I don't even know if you can pick that up in the microphone, but what I just said was Tyler O'Connor beat Ohio State and Indiana beat him. And that's like something that like, no matter how hard you try to repress, like I haven't even gone back and, and watched that game because precisely for that reason, I was thinking about that watching Michigan State uh, a few weeks ago after, I forget who they were even playing two weeks ago after they had beaten Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and, and watching him against that Wisconsin defense. And it was like, Jesus Christ, they couldn't do something like this against this kid. And then you look at how he uh, how he played against Indiana and he, he had that long pass, as you said. But other than that, they were able to kind of sh- shut that passing game game down and it's you know that's always going to be like a mind-blowing thing that Tyler O'Connor went in there and beat an undefeated Ohio State on senior day yeah and that's that's still one of the man I don't know how y'all did that like I'm just gonna be honest I don't know if people tried I don't know if there was point shaving going on but Tyler Tyler O'Connor's really bad but you probably don't need me to tell you that but he's not good he's definitely not good but yeah man it's just it's hard to and that's part of what I tell Indiana fans and you know this I think this this Ohio State team, you look at it from an Indiana fan's perspective, and you're like, all right, Indiana's got this good team. You know, Urban Meyer's talking them up and, and coming out today and saying the Indiana defense is better than Oklahoma's defense, which might not be saying much, but it's something. And I don't know if you want to go out and say, well, Indiana's offense is good, too. Like, someone's going to come out and say something stupid like, oh, maybe Indiana's just the best team Ohio State's played yet, period. I don't know that I would go there, but weirder things, like, that's the one thing I do say to Indiana fans is, weirder things have happened than, you know, Indiana beating Ohio State. Well, actually, technically, no, they probably haven't happened. But at the very least, though, and, you know, in three of the last or in three of the three of the four games that has that Meyer's been here for against Indiana, you know, the 2012 game was like the ultimate time warp game. Uh in in Indiana and then obviously 2014 that was another game where Ohio State kind of just slogged through until Jalen Marshall put the whole team on his back and then last year's game so that's something we're going to get into in a little bit but before we break down the game we're talking about this this fast start and how they started fast last year and I think in 2014 and 13 they started three and two What's like the general sense among Indiana fans now that they're three and one? Because I'm looking at their stat profile right now on Football Study Hall, and they're projected for five more wins. Is everybody like, okay, we're gonna do it, or is it still kind of like a uh, let's let's wait and see before we get our hopes up again? Let, let's see them do it, bowl eligibility, and then we'll go from there. I think it's it's reflexive um, among Indiana fans to kind of go, oh, you know, we just gotta find six wins, we gotta find six wins, but. You know, we've been really pounding the table over at, over at CQ that, hey, look at these advanced stats. Look, Bill C., I believe, and, and I don't have it in front of me right now. I should pull it up. That's what a good good podcast guest would do, and I'm actually going to do that. But 112 Indiana stats profile, I, I'm one of those idiots that can't talk and, and whatever, but I'll find it in a minute. But, yeah, no, you talk about, as an Indiana fan, you're just like, well, we've got to find six wins. You know, our three non-conference games and then Maryland, Purdue, and Rutgers, and that's what you better hope for, and that's all you could do. I don't know if this is news to folks, especially that are Indiana fans. The Big Ten sucks ass this year. It's certainly not good. And you go, 
and you look around the conference, Michigan State, clearly, now that that game's passed, Michigan State, not very good. You look at the rest the rest of Indiana's schedule, as soon as I pull up these doggone projections, hope, you're, hope your guests love listening to me type and try to speak at the same time. It's like watching somebody try to pat their head and rub their belly. But yeah, you look at the rest of Indiana's schedule, you go, at Ohio State this week, okay, you can probably pencil that in as an L, but we'll get to that in a minute. Then you get Nebraska at home, which I don't know if anyone's really going to be scared of Nebraska without Jordan Westerkamp, without Nebraska starting tight end. They're already ruled out for that game. And Bill C. already gives them, not even factoring that in, gives Indiana a 42% chance to win that one. And then every other game that Indiana has but the road trip to Michigan they're going to be favored in. That includes at Northwestern, the Maryland game at home, at Rutgers, Penn State at home, and then an 86 chance of beating the thing called Purdue football. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, if you're an Indiana fan, you certainly don't think, and this is one thing that I said to Matt, I think Indiana fans are adjusting to the difference between having a chance to win a game or even a better than good chance to win a game and still losing some of those. That happened against Wake Forest. The idea that you can play better than a team and then lose is kind of new to IU fans. So I think that's going to take some time to get used to. But, I mean, heck, you look at the numbers, Indiana's got a better than 60% chance of finishing 7-5 and five or better. 87.1% chance of going to a bowl game. So I think if you're looking at this Indiana team and going, man, I hope we scratch out six, it's probably not the right mentality to have because there's plenty here for the taking. I think we're going to find out a lot. Maybe not on Saturday because Ohio State might just be really good and they might blow out everyone this year. But I think you're re- the game that's really going to tell you, I think, about Indiana and how good this Indiana team is is going to be Nebraska at home on October 15th because I think that's going to be a team that might be slightly better or at least a top 25 caliber team that should be a winnable game for Indiana that might come to Bloomington and defeat it. And I think that one's going to be the one where you're really going to learn a lot about Tom Allen's new defense at Indiana. Yeah, and it feels like, to your point, that you know the Big Ten, not only is it ass, but it's also that, that middle portion of it is in flux, and, and I think getting Penn State at home to kind of close out the year, that's a game they absolutely can win. I mean, going on the road to Rutger isn't going to be a problem, I think. No. The Maryland game, I, th- I think they're better than Maryland, but that that is a, that's another toss-up one. Yeah, I, I, you know, see, ba- I need to see more from Maryland. I, like, I'm still holding out. I was like, maybe Maryland's good? I'm not sure yet. I'm still not inclined to believe the Perry Hills can throw the ball more than five years past line of scrimmage, but neither here nor there. You know, also, Clayton Thorson hasn't been able to, to prove that. I don't yeah. even know if we, we could debate that he could do that. I think that's it's pretty definitive at this point that Northwestern's offense is what it is. But I, I do think that if there's a season that Indiana has a shot to kind of make up some ground and, and win eight games, maybe nine if something breaks right against, yeah. against Nebraska as well, this is the year. And like you were saying earlier, after losing all of that talent, and even with some of the injuries they've had this year with Demetric Camille, he's out I presumably for this week but he's he's injured and Dan Feeney also presumably out I think that that would be another major step for them to head into the right direction as as they move forward the fact that they beat Michigan State without Demetri Camille and Dan Feeney says a lot about the Indiana program because that I said after the Wake Forest loss and I watched kind of I watched kind of the team come a little bit unnerved. The one thing that Indiana's really struggled to do without Dan Feeney and uh, Demetri Camille is run the football. 
you know, the run game has kind of gone to crap and it's turned into, all right, old Kevin Wilson ball of run, shoot, we're going to throw it all over the yard and we're going to throw it over your head and you better be able to catch up with us. So getting them back, I think will make Indiana a more balanced team and Camille may be out for the season. He's more replaceable, not because he's a, he's a very good player. And I think eventually if he wouldn't have gotten hurt, I think he had a very good shot and probably would have been drafted as a right tackle in the NFL but he has a more than one capable hand behind him. Brandon Knight's filled in really, really well. Dan Feeney's the key. He's got a concussion. He picked it up in the Ball State game. The fact that he was still out on October 1 against Ohio State is a little bit concerning that you worry that it's hanging on. But I wouldn't be stunned to see Feeney on Saturday. I think that's still unknown. But as something like this, as concussions kind of hang on, you know, you get concerned that this is one that's really going to drag on. And who knows when Indiana could get them back. It could be Saturday. It could be could be never this season. Well, and speaking of being stunned about things, I, I saw everybody's reaction, not only your guys' Twitter account, but also your users to the 32.5 point spread that was released at the start of this week for Ohio State and Indiana. What was everybody's, like, general sense, given the history of these two teams recently when, when that came out? I think... The instant reaction is, well, that's high because, you know, you think about why didn't you know Ohio State's been in the last couple of years and it's been this wild, stupid game that suddenly everyone in the country is watching and wondering, is Ohio State really going to like poop in a bag against Indiana? And like, is this really going to happen? And everyone knows the answer is no, but we're all going to let ourselves like it be entertained. We're going to let the like car fire burn for about 57 minutes before we finally put it out with fire extinguisher. And that's kind of been what everyone does with Ohio State and Indiana. We crowd around we wait and then finally someone goes all right move on like like let's get everybody out of here let's clean up the mess okay okay so yeah i think i think we indiana fans were surprised with the 32 point line because you're coming off basically the biggest win in modern program history conference win certainly and then someone's like all right you know we just we were five yards away from beating ohio state last year with our backup quarterback and running back we got a shot at him now and then oh by the way Ohio State's probably look like the best team in the country to date, and they're kind of an offensive death machine, and 32 points doesn't seem terrible. It, it's a, I think it's high. I don't think it's unreasonably high. I would still take Indiana. I would like them to cover 32. I would hope, but it's very hard to say that the way Ohio State is scoring the football right now, it's hard to look at them and say 32 points is too many, I guess. That, that would be my concern as an Indiana fan. If Indiana gets out of this game without any further injuries. What's like the worst? Is there a worst case possible scenario for that? Like if they get beat, not to the degree that Ohio State beat Rutgers last week, I I don't think that that's going to happen. But if if they lost, you know, 49 to 7, do you think that that would deter a lot of the good feelings that came from last week? Or are still a lot of people, not only inside the program, but outside the program, still going to feel like, hey, you know what? We, We played maybe the best team in the country by almost a wide margin this season based off what we've seen so far and just keep the course. That's a really, really good question because Indiana's football is in such like it, it needs momentum and to get fans. Indiana's done a much better job of getting fans in the stadium, especially in the Fred Glass and Kevin Wilson era. Getting them to stay is another story through the second half and re- really building fan momentum. I, I really think Indiana needs to play a close game and do something like they've done, even if they don't win. I think a seven-point loss, I think a close loss is a win for Indiana this year because that keeps some of that 
the hype going, the belief going. I do think, you know, kind of having this crescendo, knocking off Michigan State, feeling good about yourself. I don't think they, I think Indiana's players, Indiana's fans, you know, there's no shame in going to Ohio State and losing a close game on the road. Getting blown out, that's a little, I think that's a little bit concerning because I think you'll hear some people, you know, if this is a 49 to 7, 46 to 7, 44 to 3, even 44 to 10 or something game that's never competitive. If it gets loose in the second half, fine, whatever. I think people understand that. But at least if Indiana can give people, do the thing they normally do and like make people kind of look over at Indiana, Ohio State for a little bit from around the country. That's kind of the attention I think Indiana football needs, and it needs to keep that excitement in the fan base. I do think, maybe not for the players, but I do think for the fans for a little bit to keep this hype going. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of chance if Indiana really goes in and plays well, pulls out a miracle win, or just plays really well and gives Ohio State a good fight. Indiana could be pretty wild on homecoming against Nebraska. You know, they're bringing out the candy stripe, new candy stripe uniforms. Um, it's going to be homecoming. Indiana already are always almost packs in the biggest crowd of the year for homecoming. That could be actually a sellout that doesn't involve Ohio State, possibly, if Indiana were able to win or turn in a close loss against Ohio State. So I think getting not blown out is actually very crucial to this IU team. So what is Indiana's not best chance to win, but where, where do you feel most confident that on either side of the ball that Indiana can have success on Saturday? I feel pretty good about Indiana's ability in two areas to throw the ball on Ohio State. I think from what I understand, I haven't watched a ton of Ohio State this year. I'm, I doubt how much Ohio State's actually been tested, how much Ohio State's defense has been tested. I know Tulsa, with Phil Montgomery as a head coach, traditionally you would think they're going to throw the ball a lot. I have no idea. I'm not going to pretend like I know how good Tulsa is or, or, or how good that offense is. I know Bowling Green is a whole lot of ass. Oklahoma, State, or Oklahoma obviously, was supposed to be a team to test them offensively. I didn't watch that game, actually, against Oklahoma, but I don't know. You could tell me how much really Oklahoma opened up the playbook through the ball downfield. But I think Indiana, you know, I think Kevin Wilson clearly has something on Urban Meyer. Like, there's something that at least kind of certain coaches, I think we all kind of know or, or realize in college football, certain coaches maybe just kind of have a beat on, on a certain guy. Kevin Wilson certainly doesn't have a beat on Urban Meyer because he hasn't beaten him ever, but he might have like maybe a little something that costs a little bit of a problem. I think that's Indiana's tempo, Indiana's ability to spread it out, go fast, get um, small, quick guys in space, throw the ball downfield. I think Indiana's ability to do that, if they kind of get Ohio State on its heels for a little bit, I think that's where if you just kind of punch early, get the crowd settled down, get out to an early start, and then kind of hang on from there, I think that's Indiana's big best chance. If they can get out to like a seven nothing, ten nothing, fourteen nothing lead, that's when it's gonna get weird. And I think that's what you gotta do is kinda punch out, punch quick, take the ball first, go down and score, take some shots with big plays. And I think that's gonna be Indiana's best bet in this football game. Some people have pointed to Indiana's rushing defense as having a chance with Ohio State. I'm a little skeptical on that because I've watched too much Indiana football both this year and in previous years, and I've watched them struggle with mobile quarterbacks. So a little bit concerned about what JT Barrett can do outside of the pocket if he gets into space. Well, and it's interesting you mentioned the the Meyer-Wilson dynamic because if I'm not mistaken, Wilson was the offensive coordinator for that 2008 Oklahoma team. And I think by Bill's numbers, that's like the most prolific offense of all time. And that Gators team really shut them down in that game. And since he's been at Indiana, not that he's had his number, but Indiana 
for the most part, has been able to score. I don't remember the 2013 game very well. I know they only put up 13 points. 40-13 or something like that, kind of a throwaway. Yeah, and other, other than that game, though, they've, especially on the ground, been able to have success. So, like you're saying, I, I wouldn't be totally shocked to see that again. Uh, I heard Matt on uh, your guys' podcast talking about how throwing against this secondary with who they have and some of the athletes in the range, I, I think, is just asking to get blown out and asking for turnovers. So, I, I would be surprised to see Indiana really air it out, even with you know some of the offensive line injuries. But you know, it wouldn't be a shock to see them be able to put up points because they've done it before. I, I think this is the best defense that Ohio State's had, or at least most complete under Urban Meyer since he's been here. So I think maybe that balances out. Maybe they're able to kind of do some different things that they, they couldn't stop in years prior against Indiana. But I wouldn't be shocked if they had success in, like you said earlier, 32 and a half points. I, I think it can happen. I think Ohio State could blow Indiana off the field. I also think this could be a game in the fourth quarter based off of what we've seen in the past but before we get you out of here last one just a final prediction for Saturday oh man I mean I know what my heart wants to do but but that's that seems illogical you know ultimately there there are games that I have a good feeling about and there are games that I kind of don't I had a good feeling about the Ohio State game coming into it last year I can talk myself, and I will before Saturday, talk myself into Indiana having a chance. I don't think Indiana's going to get blown out. I don't think we're going to see either a wild one that we've seen in years past. I just, I'm a little bit concerned about Indiana's ability to have a balanced attack and run the football really against Ohio State. But we'll see. I'm not sure. I could see this one being, I don't think Ohio State's really going to be able to open it up a ton on Indiana. I think Indiana's defense will kind of stand tall. And by I mean stand tall, I mean only give up 38. But I'll say something like 38-21, Indiana, but like never, maybe never really super close. Kind of like always like a 14 or 17 point game. That sounds about right to me. Yeah, I think that that's certainly plausible. I think that 38, 21, 38, 17, uh, Indiana's defense, I think can, it, the thing with them too, with, with this defense being better is that uh, I think that Ohio State may not have as much success through the air, but until I see somebody stop them on the ground, I, I'm assuming that Ohio State is going to be able to have another big game, not that another 410 rushing yards like they had against Rutgers, but I, I think that it won't be a crazy one like you're saying, but it won't be, you know, a, a 49 to nothing, 58 to nothing Rutger game either. Prediction. My, my biggest prediction for you is the first quarter of this game is really going to dictate where it goes. I think you're either going to be able to come out right away and see Indiana's clicking today. They're putting up points quickly and they're able to contain that Ohio State rushing attack. Or you're going to see, I think, pretty quick Ohio State get out to a real quick touchdown on the ground and it watch Indiana struggle to pick up those assignments with that Urban Meyer rushing attack. So I think that's what you'll see probably six, seven minutes into the game. I think you'll have a feel for how this one's going to go. All right. You heard it from the man himself. That is Kyle Robbins. He is the managing editor at CrimsonQuarry.com. Also staff writer at SB Nation Golf and College Basketball. Check his work out. Check their podcast out. The podcast was good. You can also find him on Twitter at Kyle R. Robbins. Do not at him, though. You can follow him. Don't add don't him. Don't at me. Don't do any of that. And I would encourage, whether you're an Ohio State fan or just a college football fan listening to this podcast, follow Crimson Quarry and Kyle on Twitter and also go to CrimsonQuarry.com. They're some of the funniest guys on the internet. You you will love everything you read, whether it's college football, basketball, or what have you. The guys keep it so funny and so creative. I'm envious of how funny you guys are. So for all the hey. listeners, go check them out. It's, it's a pretty great read. But uh, Kyle, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, hey, y'all 
all going to have a pretty good, a pretty good sense of humor to deal with Indiana football through the year. <laughs> so, hey, Colton, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thanks, Kyle. Bye. All right, that was Kyle Robbins of CrimsonQuarry.com. Once again, I, I would encourage you all to, to follow Kyle on Twitter and also follow CrimsonQuarry.com and check out all of their content. They're hilarious, and, the, and their content is, is top-notch. So definitely worth your time to read and follow, especially before Saturday and then during the game and then after the game. They will have some pretty good analysis and as well as the you know for the rest of the season going forward I think you guys will really like their stuff so big thanks again for Kyle Robbins coming on the podcast hopefully the first guest of many as we try to do at least two podcasts a week I think going forward it'll be Matt and I with our usual recap of the game and then whatever else is on our mind on either Monday or Tuesday and then on Thursdays or Fridays I'll sit down with a guest either from an opposing team or one of the land-grant writers, whoever it may be, to talk Ohio State's next opponent in the games going on in college football as a whole that week. So uh, we'll see where it goes, but I think that's going to be the plan going forward for the podcast. And you guys can make sure to let us know how you feel about that and anything else by going to our iTunes page, reviewing, subscribing, leaving stars, even if it's only one. As long as you leave feedback, tell us what we're doing well, Tell us what we need to work on. Whatever we can do to make this podcast the best it can be, we will do that for you guys, the listener. But on that note, we're going to wrap it up here on Hangout in the Holy Land. We will catch you guys next week. Have fun watching the Indiana game. If you're going, have a good time. Be safe. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.